Hey everyone, it's Beverly Hallberg. Welcome to a special pop-up episode of She Thinks, your favorite podcast from the Independent Women's Forum where we talk with women and sometimes men about the policy issues that impact you and the people you care about most. Enjoy. Hi there, I'm Ginny Gentle, Senior Fellow at Independent Women's Forum. I'm joined today by a special guest to discuss school choice and empowering parents to take control of their children's education. Erica Donalds is a mother of three boys and a finance executive with a passion for education. She has used her expertise in business to create a network of classical charter schools in Florida and further the expansion of high-quality education options in that state. Erica is a former elected member of the Collier County School Board. During her tenure, she co-founded the Florida Coalition of School Board Members and served as the group's president. She has served on Governor DeSantis' Advisory Commission on Education and Workforce Development, the State's Education Practices Commission, and the Florida Constitution Revision Commission. Erica is president and CEO of the Optima Foundation, a nonprofit established to support and expand superior schools of choice and also leads the school choice movement an advocacy arm which works to engage and empower communities in the battle for education freedom. Welcome, Erica. It is a pleasure to have you on She Thinks. Thank you so much for having me. So before we discuss the network of classical charter schools that you've launched, uh, please share with us the origin of your support for school choice. I think I've heard um, both from remarks that your husband has made um, and from what I've read that you needed to find an alternative education option for one of your sons. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just like a lot of parents, I'm sure that are listening, I made the school choice option that most middle class families do. I bought a house in the neighborhood where I wanted my kids to go to school and very grateful to be able to make that choice. But I found out that with three boys, despite them all coming from the same household, they were all very different, very different learners. And the school that may have worked for my oldest didn't work for my middle child. And I had to find an alternative. And that's when I found out that there weren't enough school choice options for me and certainly for families who do not have means to pay for private school in my community. And that's what really got me involved. So what kinds of schools have your, your sons attended? I believe um, is your oldest in college now, like you've kind of walked all the way through the the K-12. I have my oldest is a freshman. Oldest is a freshman at the college of the Holy cross and playing football. there. very happy for him. And my second child is at a private school and my third is at a charter school. But between the three of them, we've done public zone schools. We've done out of zone public schools. We've done charter and we've done private schools and even some homeschooling. So I have definitely run the gamut. And every year, just like many parents, you know, we reevaluate what is going to be the best option for our children for that particular school year. And we make the choice that's best for them. So how do you go about that process when you're evaluating education options? Like, how do you decide we need to transfer from one school to this other one? Well, certainly if a school is working well for a child, you don't feel like you need to make a change. That's great. Um, But when it's not working or when you're transitioning perhaps from elementary school to middle school, there are a lot of factors to consider the child's personality, uh, what their what their interests are, the types of education that are being offered, the reputation of the schools. You know, there are a middle schools in my community that have a very bad reputation for the behavior of the students and the morality uh, standards that are 
operating in that school. And so I chose not to send my children to public middle schools uh, because I didn't like the activities that were happening there. As a school board member, I knew about many of them. And so I think for every family, there is a lot that goes into selecting a school. Sometimes it's just convenience because parents want to spend as much time with their children as possible. And they might want to have a, a school near their place of work. So they have those drive times and that they're nearby to go and visit their children at lunchtime. But I feel like parents need to make those decisions on what their priorities are, whether it's the curriculum, the location, or just the environment of the school and what's going to be best for their kids. That absolutely makes sense. And it, it could change over time, um, those, those criteria as you're evaluating um, each year. Right? Absolutely. And for each mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. So I've been following your career a bit um, from afar, and I've been reading about your accomplishments over the years. And I've gotten the impression that when you encounter a problematic barrier, you don't just find a way around the solution. You actually create a very concrete solution. So, for example, while you were serving on your community school board, you founded the Florida Coalition of School Board Members, partially in response to <clears throat> the existing Florida School Boards Association's opposition to school choice. You didn't just protest their opposition to school choice. You founded a competing organization, which is awesome. So tell us about your approach to overcoming the traditional public education system's opposition um, to innovation. Yeah, that was a pretty epic move on our part. And the Florida School Board Associations, of course, did not like that we provided an alternative for school board members to belong to an organization that actually aligned with their values. Uh, but it was great. It did have quite an impact, especially at the state level. You know, when I was on the school board, I was in the minority, and it was very difficult to get anything accomplished as a school board member in Collier County at the time. But what I found is that I did have a bully pulpit at the state level to advocate on behalf of school choice as a school board member, which gave me a different platform. And I banded together with other school board members to do that. And I think we had a great impression at the time. And we've all gone on to do some, some great things, including uh, some of them founding Moms for Liberty, which is making a, a tremendous impact at school boards around the country. But you're right. That is something that has been a staple of my career, both in business and now in education. I am a no excuses person and I am focused on results. I don't want to hear any excuses. I want to hear how are you going to overcome this problem? And what we find in traditional education and the establishment education system is a lot of excuses and not a lot of solutions and innovation. And so that's what I'm here to do, to shake up the establishment, to show them that the excuses are unwarranted, and to bring results for students and for families that cannot be denied. And in fact, that level of competition and innovation is going to force the traditional public school system to innovate and get better. Well, we at IWF absolutely agree with um, your goals there and definitely want to support your work. And um, thank you for talking with us uh, today about wh what you're doing. It's encouraging. Um, you founded this organization, School Choice Movement. Um, what is what is that advocacy organization specifically doing in order to forward those goals that you were laying out? Well, a lot of what the school choice movement has been about is educating families about the myths that are perpetuated by the education establishment about school choice. Things like that charter schools drain money from the public school system. You know, the opposite is true, that as charter schools open and students 
are selected into those schools by their families, the per student amount that traditional public schools get goes up because those charter schools don't receive dollar for dollar the money that is should be following that child. So these are the type of myths that we look to overcome in the community so that families can feel good about making choices. In Florida, we have a lot of school options and those are expanding every year. And we need a way to communicate with families so that they know what their choices are. They may ultimately choose their neighborhood school, but we want to empower them to be able to vote with their feet if they want to, if they need to, if it's best for their children. And so it's important that families are paying attention and that we reach them in a way that is accessible and in a way that they can act on those choices that they do have. Well, Erica, you may not know this, but years ago, I was actually in charge of the school choice office at the Florida Department of Education. And a big part of the work that I was doing there was trying to ensure that families knew about their options. Florida's remarkable. um, And I frequently brag about the extensive options in in my home state. Um, You all have, at this point, education savings accounts, a scholarship program for children with special needs, scholarship program that your husband created while he was serving in the state legislature for bullied students, and then close to 700 charter schools um, serving 340,000 students, and then, of course, thriving homeschool communities that have only grown in in recent years. Um, So that all sounds like a school choice utopia to those of us who are currently living in states with with very few options. And I hear what you're saying. Those options might exist, but you have to really ensure that parents know about them and are taking advantage of them. Um, What else needs to happen in Florida? Well, we it sounds like you have everything. It it does sound like that, which is a little frustrating for school choice advocates in Florida because we know the reality. The reality is that my neighbors in Naples, Florida don't have very many options. I mean, we can say we have these scholarships, but they're still limited by income. And there are a ton of gap families who make too much to qualify for scholarship programs, but too little to pay for private school, especially for more than one child if they needed that. And so it's important that Florida continues to increase those income levels to capture those families who cannot afford private school and need an alternative outside of their zone school. Our charter schools, while there are many of them across the state, uh, there aren't many in a lot of communities. And because they don't get the same level of funding as our traditional public schools, they often do not have transportation options when it comes to school buses. And so they aren't as accessible as we need them to be for families who require an alternative. So while we are the school choice state, and I fully embrace that, and I'm very proud of what our state has done, There's so much more to be done to really hang the banner, so to speak, and other states to follow along where every single family has multiple options to select what's best for their students. If families did know about the scholarships that are available to them and they took advantage fully of those scholarships, there would be nowhere near enough private school seats taking scholarships to meet the need and the demand that would take place. So we have to keep working on the supply side and increasing eligibility. And we have to also work, I'm sorry, in the demand side, increasing eligibility, but also the supply side, bringing high quality private schools as well as charter schools in order to meet those demands and increase funding for charter schools to allow them to make it more accessible through transportation. 
Well, Erica, you practice what you preach. You have founded the Optima Foundation, um, which is uh, launching a network of charter schools, not just in your community, um, but elsewhere in the state as well. Um, so you're addressing the, the supply side. You're creating these, these charter schools. Um, tell us about these schools and uh, the philosophies behind them. I understand they're, they're classical charter schools. Yes, I fell in love with the classical model of education when I was looking for school choice, as I said earlier, for my middle son. And he went from a traditional, more progressive environment into the classical environment, and it was night and day. It's a really knowledge-based education. Students are learning historical facts. They're, there's no wasted time in their reading. Instead of reading a first-grade level book about Mr. Frog going to the mailbox, they're reading about uh, the Pilgrims, they're reading about George Washington at grade level. And so they walk away and they get in the car at the end of the day with a ton of stories and information in their brains. It's explicit phonics, explicit grammar, learning the great books. And it's been proven over thousands of years that this is a great way to educate our future leaders. Um, so what I did was create this organization based on my business background as a CPA and a former CFO compliance officer uh, for an investment management firm that manages the entire business side of charter schools, which we know is one of the major reasons why charter schools struggle is, is because these are multi-million dollar businesses and they need professionals to run that side of things so that the academic professionals can focus on that most important work. And that is meeting the needs of our students and our families. And so that's what the Optum Foundation does. We manage everything on the compliance side, finance, budget, building, construction, and we allow our academic professionals, and especially those that are classically trained and committed to the classical model of education, to educate our teachers and to educate our students in this way. And it's worked out extremely well. We're seeing huge demand everywhere we go. I cannot open them fast enough. Uh, we've been opening one a year for the last three years. We start on two a year next year. And we're just going to continue to open as many as we can to meet the demand that we see from families across the state. Um, and will the charter schools just be opening in Florida at this point? Is that part of your plan? Or is there any hope for the well, rest of us outside of Florida? I hope to definitely work our way into other states. What we see in Florida, you mentioned there's almost 700 charter schools in Florida. Uh, only 14 of them are currently classical charter schools. So there's still a huge demand in my home state here, and I want to go ahead and meet that as best we can. I also provide some, you know, as a nonprofit, we provide some assistance to groups outside of Florida who are looking to open a classical charter school in their community through sort of a consulting uh, work that, that they can access for free. So people who are outside of Florida are welcome to contact the Austin Foundation, and we can plug them into those resources that will help them to do it as well. I'm sure a part of your consideration for expanding beyond the state would be the quality of the charter school law and the structure that's in place um, supporting charter schools in those states. I, I live in Virginia. There's a terrible charter school law here. I know you won't come here yet until I <laughs> help uh, state advocates fix that. Um, but thankfully, you are in, in Florida in a state that does have laws that over time have been put in place to ensure that high quality school choice options um, can can thrive. Um, so glad that you're there and advocating for school choice and expanding um, school choice options by, by opening these charter schools. Where are your schools at this point? 
Treasure Coast Classical Academy is in Stewart, Florida. It's just north of Palm Beach. We have grades K to 8 there this year. We start sometimes at a K to 6, and then they move up. We end up at K to 12. But there's 1,200 students at uh, TCCA uh, with another over 700 on the waiting list. And we're opening a high school there, uh, getting started on that construction. And we're also going to open a second location in Martin County in that community, seeing all that demand. We have a Jacksonville school, Jacksonville Classical Academy near downtown. Uh, Also, that opened last year in the middle of the pandemic. And we're opening a second Jacksonville location next school year. And Naples Classical Academy opened this year. Uh, Next year, not only do we have that Jacksonville school opening, but we're also launching Optima Classical Academy, which is an online classical school. It's going to be available across the state of Florida as a public option. And it's a really exciting project that we've been working on. And in response to the pandemic, really, and the lack of quality online options that we've seen, not just in Florida, but across the country, we're going to bring a classical model of education online and deliver the live instruction through virtual reality. So it's going to be an immersive classroom environment that can also be transported to Uh, the Constitutional Convention or outer space or ancient Rome, and the classroom can really be part of the experience for our Optima Classical Academy students. Now, that will reach across the nation a lot sooner than our brick-and-mortar schools will. Erica, that's exciting. I didn't know that that was part of your vision, and um, I'm I'm thrilled that we're able to share that plan with the IWF listeners. Uh, The Independent Women's Forum recently launched a Kids First campaign that was designed to gather parents and teachers' thoughts on school choice. Um, And we've already received over 400 submissions. These are people telling their school choice stories or saying that they so wish they had school choice in their communities. As we wrap up, are there words of encouragement that you would offer these parents who are hoping for school choice? Well, I think how we started in Florida was an advocacy at the state level, as you said, to make the laws more friendly for choices coming into the state. Um, There are a couple different things that are low-hanging fruit, perhaps. One of them is public school choice, to open up the zone lines within your community. If there's room in another public school that you want your child to go to, why can't you select that school? And we've done that in Florida, and even that creates some competition among your zoned schools, your district-run schools. So that's one thing that could be uh, advocated for. Um, The other thing is to try to start a school. If you are able, if you have any charter school laws, you know, find a group of people that can come together as a team and put together a school. It is hard. It is a ton of work, and it takes a lot of expertise, but those resources are out there in every state that has some sort of charter school law or private school choice. There are lots of organizations out there that have the wherewithal to provide resources to to families and to community teams to put these schools together. I really feel like the only way to change the education system is to uh, compete with them and to provide a free market for families to choose from. And in every state that we're able to do that, we need a lot of soldiers on the ground to work together um, towards that end. So I would just encourage them to become advocates as much as possible, whether it's at the state level or at their local district, to increase competition in any way possible. Well, thank you so much, Erica, for being a leader in the school choice movement and for sharing your story with us today and inspiring 
those of us listening to you to to go and do more and and change the the culture of education and change the the options that are available to to students. And uh, thank you for taking time out of your your busy schedule to join us today. Well, I'm thrilled to get the word out and hopefully inspire some other people that if I can do it, I'm just an accidental expert in school choice and in charter schools. Simply because as a mom, I was fed up with not having the options I was looking for for my children. Other people can do it. You can get involved. It is accessible. Don't let the bureaucracy tell you that you're not equipped because you can be equipped. And you can go to OptimaEd.org and contact me, and I'll be happy to plug uh, the listeners in with the right organizations in their state. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Erica. So for those of you who are listening, we hope that you take away something new from today's conversation. And if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks or like the podcast in general, we'd love if you could take a moment to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. This helps ensure our message reaches as many Americans as possible. Share this episode and let your friends know that they can find more She Thinks episodes on their favorite podcast app. From all of us here at IWS, thanks for listening.